Hey folks, Nonproductive's back with a topic for you. What small change to any show, movie, whatever, would you have made to make it a hundred times better? Uh, so we can rewrite history today. I'm Frank. I'm joined by Alan Pope. Hi, Alan Pope. Hello. Oh, I think we should probably say at this point, there's going to be spoilers for everything we bring up because I don't know if we could talk about it without spoilers. Uh, does anyone want to go first? Does anyone have a meaty one? I've got a pretty basic one. We could start with an old yeah. one. One I've been talking about for almost a decade now. Iron Man 3. <laughs> and immediately everyone hits skip on their podcatchers. <laughs> Next episode, we've heard this. No, Iron Man 3 is a pretty good Iron Man movie. It's a pretty good Marvel movie. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah. I will uh, say, because I've recently rewatched all of the Marvel films in a row. And like, yeah, Iron Man 3 holds up pretty decently. Dude, Home Depot Iron Man is like my favorite part of that movie. But yeah, Home Depot going. Iron Man? Yeah, yeah. That seems to be what everybody's saying who's doing the rewatch uh, in these troubling times. You've got plenty of time on your hands and if you're rewatching it, most people say it, they like them better almost uh, the second time around or, uh, you know, years apart. I think Iron Man 3 is a very solid movie. There's a lot of great scenes in it, a lot of great um, reveals. One of the ones I had the most problem with when I first saw the movie and I still have a little bit of an issue with, is uh, the reveal of the Mandarin. Now, big exclamation mark, big asterisk star, whatever you want to say. I am not interested. I do not need to see a Yellow Peril character. I'm not looking for uh, the old comic book Mandarin or anything. I love Trevor. I love the fake Mandarin played by Ben Kingsley. I love the entire concept of that. I don't need to see a Yellow Peril character. But what I didn't really like and what kind of threw me out at that moment was when Guy Pierce, uh, his villain, is revealed to be actually the Mandarin in the final act of the movie. You're like, who cares? We've already established that you're clearly a jaded person who's become a villain in Act One. In, I believe, Act One, we know that you are working with the Mandarin. You are at very least his PR director. You are producing the video, the terrorist video that he is making for everyone. The fact that you are actually the person in charge, that second banana villain is actually first banana villain, means nothing. Yeah. It means nothing, but it carries the weight. The film makes it carry the weight as if it's a significant reveal, where it is not a significant reveal. This is on par with like Star Trek, the the one with the wrath of not the wrath of Khan, but the remake of wrath of Khan when, when, insurrection. Uh, yeah. When Benedict Cumberbatch says I'm Khan and everybody's oh, into darkness. That was it. Into darkness. And everyone looks at him like, mm, we should know who this name is. Like it's <laughs> it to the people who have I'm Khan Nunyan sing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, unless you know who that is, this doesn't matter. Yeah, in universe, people are like, I don't know why I should care about this. Uh, to be fair, thing, that was small change that made that movie really awesome. Where you know they killed the other guy. I guess so, but well, my my point being more focused on this on Iron Man three is that it doesn't matter. It really he doesn't need to have been the Mandarin. Um, and I've talked about this in the past. I, usually I get tied up in the, well, what are you saying? You want an Asian peril character? Nope. And I definitely don't want to get rid of Trevor because that is amazing. Just something else. Maybe the, um, uh, because I'm terrible with names, the female scientist who was in that movie and was yeah, who, who dies unceremoniously for no reason other yeah. than for Guy Pierce to like show how much of a badass he is. 
And, like, it would have, like, we've talked about this before, how, like, Iron Man has female villains that could have taken that spot. Like, you know, Madame Mask is a thing. We could have just done that. It's fine. You know, I think it would have even been great had they, like, left her more of a good guy. Like, never really even gave her that, like, sympathetic to the bad guy thing. And, like, then it would have had even more weight. Like, that could have made it a lot better movie, too. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And to be honest, my, my, my final thing that I think would have really been interesting uh, would have been the return of the Ten Rings. Uh, this The villain from the first Iron Man movie, the person who's holding uh, Tony captive in the caves for uh, Obadiah Stane or Stone, yeah. really? Stane. that oh, character should be... the His return would have been a wonderful bow tie to what they were kind of trying to make a little bit of a bow tie. It was the, uh, it's the last Iron Man movie we're probably ever going to get with, um, with Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. Um, and it would have been a nice little bow tie to bring the villain back. It would have been a reward for the, you say there's, there's tie-ins with, with what a, a terrorist group would be like in the modern age. There's something to it that would have been at least somewhat surprising. Uh, seeing it being, of. uh, uh the second banana is just nothing, a big pile of nothing. And it yeah. was enough of a big pile of nothing where I'm like, ah, the whole time towards the end for most of the movie. And yeah, I, I, it's a small change that for me would make Iron Man three much more interesting. All right. So I, I, I broke the, I broke the, the ice with this one. Uh, who has one they want to share? Um, I want to talk about a movie called the last, Sh- uh, yeah, the last shift. Um, it's about a, uh, a police officer. Uh, it's her first day on the job and her like simple first day job is, Hey, we're moving from this building to another building. So you need to stay at the old building that we've abandoned, that the plumbing isn't working in anymore and wait for the forensic guys to come pick up evidence so that, you know, we can, and so it's moved over to the other one and forward any calls that come into the, to, to us. Um, and slowly but surely she's finding out that the old, like, police headquarters, the old precinct, is, uh, is haunted. And, like, the ghosts keep ramping up and showing her, uh, more and more terrible things. It's all caught, tied into this serial killer that her dad put away. Um, there's a lot that's ramping up towards the end. And then it just kind of, it ends like a wet fart. Uh, (laughs) It really does. It's just kind of like it's amping up to like these really bad things and these delusions and things going wrong. And the twist ending, if you can call it that of the film, is that eventually she sees the forensic guys that come to pick up evidence as uh, like cultists coming to kill her. So she shoots the the forensic guys. And then she gets shot by um, her boss, who she'd been calling periodically to be like, I'm seeing some weird shit. What's going on? I'm really confused. And him kind of dismissing her. And like, it's played off as like, oh, he finally believed her and he showed up and shot her. And it's like, this is weird and dumb and doesn't make any sense. This is why do horror movies have this problem where they at the, they're like, well, we're going to have to end it. <laughs> we have an idea how we end it uh, everybody dies kind of and it's not that i have anything against everyone dying please don't sample that <laughs> i don't have anything against that in a movie i in fact it can be very powerful but in cases like this it's just like who it yeah all right sure sure it's- it's just a nothing ending. It doesn't mean anything. You built all that up to like, and then I guess like, 
and then she shoots some some people and then you're like because it makes sense like one of the biggest things they they have about like why don't you just get out of the house why don't you get out of the house and they play it off very well because it's a pride issue at one point because it's like this is my first day in the job i'm a woman cop and my dad had a bad reputation about when he left and i need to make up for this by doing this one dumb simple thing that they asked of me and like even to the point where she wants to like walk out and like wait in a car like there's there's things that keep her coming back into the into the headquarters and why she stays. And I felt it was really, really well done. But that ending, it just it doesn't mean anything. It's just so like it just ends. Like that's really what it is. And like, man, come on. Like, I don't get it. Like, you're right though. This is such a horror movie problem of I guess everyone just dies because we don't know what else to do. And or otherwise just like, peering out in the final final act. Yeah. Yeah. Like anything else would have worked. It's like a reverse Night of the Living Dead thing, because like, wasn't it like the original ending was like they kind of sit there in that room and they're like, "Well, guess we're screwed now, so let's kill ourselves." Uh, which the like they they made him change to, "All right, cool, I guess we're screwed, but uh, let's make one one last stand." Yeah, we made it. Night of the Living what? Dead is what I was thinking of, where I'm like, it can be useful to have, you know, everyone. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, yeah, there's a thinking, lot. Like, the reverse Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. 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 Night of the Living Dead absolutely has a very strong ending because you have the everyone dies thing because there's a lot to talk about concerning that and it says something when the last guy dies at the end of the movie there's a very strong statement in that uh, that george romero wanted to hammer home in this it doesn't mean anything there's no yeah there's no point to this they're not making a statement about it it's just like all right like the ghost maker see stuff i guess and it's like oh come on like i i actually have something similar to this if i can segue well, wait, no, not yet, not yet, oh. because you missed something, Al. What's one small change you would make to fix it? Because it's all well and good to complain. What would you do to make it better? Other than uh, uh, basically uh, not everybody bring does. Guy Pierce back into the story somehow. I mean, honestly, I feel like there's a couple ways you could do with it. You could just... You could literally just like have it end as in like that was a really weird night and I went through some traumatic shit and like then and it's just the next day and it's over. I'm okay with that. Like that's fine. Like it's it's you know, you walk through a haunted house and once it's over, it's over. I you don't need to have that big like because you don't know what else to do. Like I'm okay with an with with an ending where it's it's over. The like you went through some really terrible shit. There's a dead homeless guy in in one of your jail cells. You'll have to explain that to an extent. And like, you know, or other cops show up and she's sitting outside and like, you know, like any number of things or even like if you want to go really far the other way, like cuz they're talk about like there's some hints about like we're going to drag you to hell. Like actually do it. Drag her to hell. Like, you know, literally like grab her at some point and like i mean that's stupid and kind of like i get it cgi budget and all that other stuff but like you could have her just like wind up in a dark room and like something happen that's like fiery and brimstone and and creepy and end the movie there i'm fine with that but this is just weird and doesn't make any sense my suggestion and i i'll admit i have not seen this film although now i'm curious to watch it uh but if so much of the film or or the motivation is to keep the the protagonist in the in the building is uh pride then and you know we have this conversation about what people are willing to do because they think it's their duty and and whether they're doing it because they think it's their duty or because of some sort of sense of entitlement i should be i have the you know i have the authority to act this way what if that if the the 
succeeding, basically surviving the night scars her to into the point where like she is no longer competent at her job. She can't do this anymore. She can no longer uh, like they win, even though she wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think playing with fear and playing with what's, what are the consequences of facing horror day in and day out in that profession is probably a little bit more poignant than, and anyways, the ghosts trick her into killing people. Yeah, I feel like you're absolutely right, Frank. I think that would have been so much more satisfying ending to that than like, yeah, exactly that. Like, it was just like, oh, but look what happened. Like, and also you can kind of see it coming a mile away. <laughs> All right, Pope, you had something that segues in. So I guess kind of in the same way, like uh, we as a uh, Western audience uh, tend to want the good guy always to win, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if any, like, have you, uh, I, The Departed is the movie I'm talking about. Like, I just, I feel like we didn't need Mar- Mark Wahlberg to come in and win at the end of that movie. Like, I feel like you take that out and, and like, sure, then it just becomes a straight copy of the original movie. It's drawn from uh, Infernal Affairs. Uh, which Rihanna, right. I, I believe. Um, I just, I think you lose a lot of the movie by, you know, because I mean, there's also no good guy in that movie. Everybody is kind of tainted and bad and like working to be better. But I mean, I, I guess ultimately the worst bad uh, ends up winning, and then you know, sure you have to come in and just you know pop them at the end. I think really like, and again, I love this movie. I think it would be infinitely better had they just not had Mark Wahlberg come in and kill him at the end the the Matt Damon character. Really? Yeah. I I would even go back further for me. Like the I moment bodies just dropped one after the other, it became too comedic. Like it was just oh and then DiCaprio's down. And then this guy's down. It's like and it's just like at that point by the time you hit the the second or third, I was already like this is just ridiculous. Like not before we even got to Wahlberg, I was already gone. I kind of liked it. I like the chain of violence, ridiculous violence towards the end where like nothing was going to, it doesn't end well for anyone. I like what that says, Mm -hmm. but I I get it. I could, I can understand your, your points. All right. uh, I guess it's time for me to bring up another old chestnut. Um, You know what? I'm actually, before I land on something I've talked about at nauseum, uh, spoiler alert, Star Wars is coming up. Uh, let me talk about something that is less, um, you know, less obvious. I'm going to talk about a movie called Snowpiercer. I think I think you both have seen it, right? Snowpiercer? Oh, yeah. Many uh, I've seen half of it. Yeah. It's an interesting film. Uh, it's got a TV show right now, which people will have opinions about. And it's uh, I think it was a comic and a and a book originally. But I'm talking about the film, the feature film uh, that had Chris Evans in it. So in yep. the feature film. Uh, the basic premise is that uh, it's it's a post-apocalyptic story. The world is freezing, and the only way uh, the surviving people in the world can survive is that a train is going really fast around the world. I don't know if it's circumnavigating the globe. I, it doesn't really matter. It's a MacGuffin. Kurt Vonnegut with trains, yeah. Yeah, so you think this, this train that represents a, effectively a class system where people up train are, are, are highly valued and people who are back in the back of the train are treated uh, increasingly worse. Um, the people at the very end, the, tr- the, the trailing end of the train, uh, are um, basically attempting to revolt because of the way they are treated. 
And you find out a lot of things about this universe. There's a lot of world building in here. And uh, resource scarcity is part of the story. The fact that it's extremely scarce for those who are the have-nots and almost ridiculously plentiful for those who are the haves. I mean, the haves have like fresh caviar with these giant train cars that are aquariums uh where the have-nots are forced to eat protein bars we are it's revealed towards the end of the the movie uh that are made out of cockroaches processed cockroaches and that is presented as a horrific thing a horrific reveal i have major problems with this for several reasons one insect protein if we could convert a decent amount of our diet to insect protein this the world would be in a better place I mean, they're they're working on making cockroach milk right now. I know, like, there are labs <laughs> doing that because it's, like you said, a very clean protein. To be perfectly honest, I, I acknowledge that it's gross. I'm saying that in the end of the world, imagine a, a post-apocalyptic scenario where you have to kill your own family to survive and then being squeamish that you had to step on a bug. It's stupid. In that context, it's stupid. So yes, I agree. you can move yeah. over to, and th- th- in this film, to be clear, um, butchering and cannibalism is a thing that they already acknowledge in the story. The character who is wincing at the cockroaches, um, spoiler alert, was responsible for some cannibalism. So pick your damn battles, Chris Evans. Don't be so don't be equally upset that people are forced to eat roaches and and also babies. You know, like like that's not these are these things are not equivalent. Let's agree to that and fix this one part of the story that just for some reason is jarring for me. I do not like it. I don't understand it. It's weird. All right. Like, would you would you just take it out entirely or would you replace it with a different reveal? I think I would take it out entirely or maybe have the reaction to it to be like, okay, you know, or even a reaction of, you know, they're eating steak and we're eating bugs. You know, it's a little bit like a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. Anger would have played really well there. Anger could be good. Yeah, anger could be good. I would I also say because a major part of the story is dealing with cannibalism um, that I think maybe reacting not reacting let the audience who's watching this in you know the real world squirm but if he reacted as if it was no big deal if he couldn't understand why people were upset by it maybe the person next to him was kind of squeamish but he was fine with it that would inform a lot on why on, on what he where his line is and his line basically is that cannibalism it's wrong that we were forced to eat each other but you know, I wouldn't have really, I would not have winced if you said that the only way to survive is by eating bugs. Uh, yeah, that's that's my thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, you're you're next up at bat, Al. Um, I want to bring up another horror film actually that right? has a, a very similar, uh, very similar problem in a way, but not necessarily for the same reason. Uh, the Autopsy of Jane Doe. Hmm. Um, it's of, I strongly recommend watching this one. Um, well, I have like the last shift I think is not a great movie, uh, for a lot of reasons besides like, like mainly having to do with the ending, but the autopsy of Jane Doe is a great movie, uh, that misunderstands its mystery. And I think that's the big problem. Um, it, it builds up a lot of tension as the movie goes on. It's essentially about a father and a son, their coroners. And they're performing an autopsy on this Jane Doe that was found at a crime scene. 
Um, and as they're going to the autopsy, stranger things are happening around them. Uh, like slowly but surely there's like, just things get progressively worse. Uh, like as you know, most horror movies do or haunting movies go. Um, but they're playing up this mystery of like trying to figure out like, who is this person and what's going on with them? And Oh my God, why are there tattoos on the inside of her skin? That doesn't make any sense. Um, but it's like, but the big reveal, or what it plays off as the big reveal, it like after finding like hemlock in her throat and like talking about like like so, and like mentioning Salem at least two or three times throughout the movie, and then like oh my god, she's a witch! And it's like really, we figured that out like two hours ago, like an hour and a half ago, man. What are you talking about? This is not a big reveal. Interesting. Uh, like, so. So the whole movie builds up towards she's a witch, but it's pretty apparent from the start. Yeah, like it's you can get it within the first few minutes of the film. And it's like, oh, all right, I'm 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 on board with this. And it keeps building up the tension and like them, like eventually figuring out like, no, F it, we got to figure this out. Let's go. And like locking themselves in the autopsy room from the horrors that are going on outside. And then like going, pouring through books and like, oh, my God, she's a witch. And it's like, really? Like that's the that's the big thing. That was the big thing we were leading to was want to this, this thing we all now. knew. <laughs> I want to see this movie now, and even though I haven't seen it yet, I want to remake it where it's the same thing, but the autopsy of Jane Doe, she's a vampire, and there is a very obvious stake through her heart in the very <laughs> <laughs> They keep there talking about literally everything but the stake through her. Maybe it's an episode of Angie Tribeca. And it was <laughs> stake in her heart. And at the very last scene, they're like, wait a minute. What's this then? Uh, all right. What's one thing you would change to fix that? I mean, I get the, I, the reaction. I mean, I, I, I feel like at the end of the day, you, you just take, like, I mean, I don't want to like take out the allure of the mystery. I feel like you could just replace it with something else. You could give it a little bit more weight. I know that doesn't seem like uh, a huge deal i know that doesn't I, and that may seem like a huge deal to like change the 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 answer to your mystery but if your mystery is just like showing off all these things that are paint by numbers to like not even a paint by number just like literally revealing it in the first five minutes of your movie like just don't either don't give that mystery the big weight like don't make it like you did with the cockroaches don't like make it all of a sudden the big crescendo of the film like give it to something else um you know it's just that that's that's just so disappointing about it it's just you could give it to anything else either maybe make the mystery you find out who she is is like a historical figure maybe that mm -hmm. could technically work as in one of the people that were killed off in the witch trials like a specific person that like at least gives it maybe gives it a little bit more weight, I guess. Um, but yeah, if you could just make that mi that minor change to not build up to what is essentially nothing, then I I think you it would be a great movie, It'd be an amazing film. Yeah, so far we have at least I think three different cases where it's like, don't try to make this a thing, movie. It's fine that you included it, but don't make it a thing. Nobody is yeah. by this thing. All right, Pope, you're you're next. Uh, I would say. Aliens. Um, How dare you? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I I, I, I like all the Aliens movies for different reasons, you know. Uh, Alien 3, obviously, because of how terrible it is. But uh, uh, Aliens ended up having this deleted scene that uh, really... Uh, deleted scene that 
took away from, you know, I guess, having any kind of sympathy for the character because, you know, uh, she ends up taking on Newt, uh, you know, like almost as like a oh, false. You're talking about Ripley as the character? Oh, yeah, Rip, Ripley. Sorry, I, I forgot to mention that. So, so Ripley, like, you don't have any sympathy for her as a, I, I feel like you have less sympathy for her as a character because they cut this scene where you find out her daughter dies. Um, or not, not that her daughter dies, that, like, she breaks down after finding out that her daughter dies. That's yeah. right. That's a famous cut scene. Not, I mean, not that everybody knows about it, but that early in the movie, she finds out that her daughter aged to the, like, she's and, that and old. Died, like six months before she came out of like cold freeze. Right. Um, and like, she breaks down afterwards because obviously she literally missed her daughter's entire life from the age of like six. And, you know, it, she ends up taking on Newt, uh, uh, like to make up for this and they cut out this scene that like shows her having emotions and you know wanting to have been a mother but obviously not mm -hmm. being able to yeah it, it definitely gets it lessens the motivation i remember distinctly back in the day when we watched aliens a lot of people would scream why are you still trying to save this kid to hell with this <laughs> yeah. and yeah this gives a lot of context to why she is so motivated i mean not that you shouldn't try to save a child everyone listening to this uh but like it does help to have this dramatic motivation yeah i agree that's good and it like kind of shows her like because like she goes like full-on like crazy mother mode mm -hmm. um at at the end in in the the big suit like the the robot suit right yeah, like, she uses the b word yeah important so yeah all right that's a great one yeah all right very good very good all right let's take a quick break and uh focus on some things that were left out in the uh in the fan club on facebook.com slash group slash nonpro if you want to join us. A couple of interesting uh, suggestions, most of them snarky, because uh, there's something about this that inspires people to be snarky. Uh, one of my favorites was from our own Michelle, who says, uh, adjust this one scene, or she says, remove the scene. In Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, is that the yes. one? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Dumbledore, like, flips <laughs> his stuff at Harry Potter when he's always supposed to be this, like, calm, controlled, like, he knows everything that's going on, and obviously he's already yeah. figured out most of everything, so he's not supposed to go, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? He's, um, he yells the line, and the line in the book is, uh, <laughs> he calmly you put asked. your name in the Goblet of Fire, he said calmly. <laughs> that's funny. Um and actually one that I really like, I want to put out um, where I'm just picking one right now it, from Sarah. Sarah says that the original ending for fight club, as in the fight club book ending would have been better than the film version, even if Chuck likes the film version better. Uh, so in the film version, the, the, the big thing goes off, the, the bombs go off for pretty much everywhere. And basically Tyler wins. Tyler is, proved to be uh successful but uh that's not necessarily how things go in in the book what do you think about this we were talking about it beforehand al um i think that sarah brings up a really good point it's the watching the buildings all the buildings blow up except for the one um like makes for an interesting crescendo of an ending but also yeah it, it gives tyler the win even though technically he's defeated by the protagonist at the end of the movie um, mm -hmm. He still like wipes out credit debt and so on and so forth. Uh, when, like, it is it is more satisfying to have like that failure of like, oh no, you didn't win at all. You didn't get even get the side victory or whatever. It's just like I agree. Like give, yeah. giving him even the slightest victory is still kind of giving him the win, even though he's quote unquote dead by the end of the movie. Yeah, I, I I think I have to begrudgingly agree. I do like the way the film does it, but it does 
when you when you frame it as a you know Tyler kind of got what he wanted, it feels wrong. So I, I think that's a that was a great example. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, all right, does anybody have any other ones? Uh, Al, do you have one, Pope? Yeah, um, Blade Runner. Oddly enough, um, like this is odd. It's weird to say it's like I don't know what version of Blade Runner I watched because I think there's a lot of versions of Blade Runner out of. I, I think there's like seven cuts out there right now. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, so, so that would make sense. But whatever one I watched, which is the unfortunately the only one I've ever watched of Blade Runner, where it has the Harrison Ford voiceover, that voiceover is profoundly grating. Like having to, like having Harrison Ford go, like go through the movie and do stuff, then tell me what he's doing while he's doing it. It's like I don't care. Let me just be in the moment. I just stop describing what you're doing. He also sounds like he's kind of held at gunpoint while he's, you know, reading those lines too. Yeah, like, it's very, it's very flat read in yeah. comparison to the to the really good performance he gives in the film. It's just, man, it's annoying. That's ah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I feel like you're you've just alienated uh one seventh of our audience by saying that, uh, because everybody has their favorite cut of 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 Blade Runner, and I don't really know which one I like the best, and I don't remember. Uh, if I even saw the version with the voiceover or if so, whether it bothered me, but I guess I could understand that. It seems reasonable enough. Certainly somebody thought it wasn't needed. They made at least one version that didn't have the voiceover. Uh, and yeah, Harrison Ford was almost definitely held to a gunpoint to <laughs> about 50% of all his work. I'm sure that the, the, whatever the call the wild movie he's doing, the one with the dog, the CGI dog. Uh, yeah, that was definitely uh, done. on. <laughs> Yeah, point. yeah. The, the George Lucas was like just off screen in Return of the Jedi too. Just... <laughs> uh, with the prize possession. All right, Pope. Did you have one? Uh, yeah. I I, I think if they would have kept the original ending to I Am Legend, I would have enjoyed the movie. Oh, that's a famous one. Yeah. Where mm -hmm. like you know, I mean, it was because Will Smith was in the movie, so they had him rewrite it because he has to end up as heroic because he has a team of people who rewrite movies for him. And yeah, the, I mean, the monsters were supposed to be like people, like they were supposed to be empathetic. They were supposed to have emotions. They were supposed to literally just want the kid back that he kidnapped. Yeah, that's and, why it's I am legend. He is legendary to them as a yeah. villain. Yep. He's the bad guy. And, you know, they didn't want to paint that, you know, like they could have shown him growing as a person, giving the monster back and, you know, not dying in a blaze of glory. Um, but, in you know, I guess they just wanted to destroy that for some reason. And now, in case you're Will Smith uh, listening to this podcast, which I assume you are, um, the opinions of Pope do not represent everybody else at the network. We don't think that Will Smith has got a vendetta against having movies done uh, the right way, uh, despite what uh, evidence there may be to back that up. So, yeah, <laughs> we're going to move on. All right. I, I think this might be our last one. Um, I was I was debating on which of these old chestnuts I should polish off. I think Game of Thrones is too d complicated. I was going to bring it up. I wrote an entire article on non-productive.com yeah, about yeah, yeah. how you can modify some of season eight to make it track better for the people who feel like even if um, Daenerys was going to become even if it was set up so that she was you know not the greatest person in the world and we should have all known that um you know you could pace it out so that the reveal when it happens in the eighth season doesn't feel like woman who gets power and goes crazy uh but i yeah i'm just not even interested i guess i didn't have the willpower to bring it up 
This is one I keep obsessing over because I legitimately think it would make it amazing. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Uh, kind of a controversial film for many people. They, you know, everybody falls on one level or the other about this movie. I think one of the things that I had the biggest issue with was when my favorite hero, uh, perhaps of all time or all cinema, uh, gets an interesting turn in Last Jedi. This is the first time we've seen Luke Skywalker since uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, not counting his brief appearance at the end of uh, Force Awakens. And, you know, people are, it's been many, many years, both in world and in reality and in fiction. And he seems to have changed quite a bit. Uh, specifically, the scene that I think people have the most problem with, even if they can't verbalize it, if they don't know exactly what it is, you know, you could talk about the blue milk thing, or you could talk about being like a little standoffish, a little Yoda-like with um, Ray. But I think the thing that probably carries the most is the uh, Roshamon scene, where or series of scenes where Luke talks about how he failed slash betrayed slash did not trust Ben Solo, his nephew. Uh, and there's a moment where he's in his tent, I guess, uh, looking over Ben, and he senses great darkness in him. And lightsaber comes out, and he's considering killing Ben Solo, who we know as Kylo Ren, as a this you know bad guy who just the last movie killed his father and is obviously a you know part of a fascist regime. Uh, he's about to kill him, and then he he takes a moment, and you know Luke is and ends up being Luke and hesitates and does not try to strike down his his nephew uh but it's too late ben sees this and force pushes him away and then there's like a they, they separate and this is basically the story of how uh, ben falls to the dark side or, or decides to go to the dark side because he sees this person who's supposed to be his mentor uh effectively try to kill him and he is killed or uh, the mentor tries to kill him because he senses the great darkness in him and there's a Roshamon scene because there's different perspectives of the scene. The Ben's version of the story shows Luke with like these evil emperor eyes, vicious looking monster kind of guy, uh, scowl on his face. And Luke's version of the story doesn't. He's not super innocent, but he is definitely like not as cartoonishly evil in the depiction. I think this is a complex scene that has a, serves a complex purpose. But I think it wasn't done as well as it could have been. Specifically, no matter how you take the scene, as much as, you know, we, I don't, I personally have a little bit of a issue with the people who've hated Last Jedi and have talked ill about it for, you know, for what feels like years now uh, and probably is years now, I guess. Uh, I feel like there is some justification for saying this isn't the Luke I, I know because one way or another, I mean, there's a moment where your hero, Luke Skywalker, takes his, you know, gun and points it at a child and says, eh, should I, I'm going to cap this kid. He looks <laughs> be evil. And, you know, you could polish that up with space magic and it being a space sword. And, you know, he has the space force where he space knows that his space nephew is going to be a space villain. But <laughs> ultimately, he's putting a lethal weapon up to a child's face, deciding not to cap him, and then getting, getting, uh, paying for it. So I think it's a little, that scene is problematic, especially if you're like, this isn't the Luke who put his weapon down 
and basically saved the day with love in Return of the Jedi. And there's a lot of arguments about whether how accurate it may or may not be. And I feel like they're, they're, you know, there's at least a little bit of a defense there in that, like, he was in his head and a lot of, like, the nature of the Force is kind of like a subconscious reflex. Yeah. Where, you know, like, literally that became how he was holding his lightsaber before his nephew, like, as in the final explanation. You know, like, he was like, you know, before I realized it, I was holding my lightsaber and then he woke up and then, oh, crap. And, and that's uh, a very Son of Sam explanation. God told me or the devil told me to kill the, the people. I mean, there, there's it's satisfactory in a way and very unsatisfactory in a way. And I think the way you address it, my small fix is introduce a, in flashback, a flash forward. So in Force Awakens, we see what happens when Ben, who falls to the dark side, uh, and as you know, trying to march towards the dark side, takes a look at his father and deci- makes that conscious decision of I need to kill the past. I need to do this horrible thing so that I'm un- irredeemable and I can get the power I'm looking for. And he kills Han. That the death of Han is controversial for many reasons, not the least of which is that you know Harrison Ford, who appears twice in our list, uh, basically has wanted Han to die since Return of the Jedi, at least. And yeah, it was a little bit like, you know, this was a wish list from Harrison Ford, but also because, you know, you're bringing back a legacy character just to kill them off, to give agency to another character. There's a lot of things going on there. And I think one of the ways of giving even more impact to that death is by having it come back in The Last Jedi and have it so that Luke effectively, you know, and it's arguable whether he's seeing the future with, through the Force or if... Like it is a self-fulfilling prophecy that because and, and do this through audio, right? Just having the 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 soundtrack of the first uh, of Force Awakens, uh, the audio of Han and and Ben or Kylo um, fighting air quotes on fighting on the bridge where he dies, having that moment be a precognitive moment for Luke, you would justify to some extent why this space wizard drew his space sword on his space nephew, because suddenly the force isn't just some nebulous thing that I have to piece together in my mind in the background. Like, Oh, Luke probably, you know, wanted to kill someone because of the force. Ignore the fact that Luke didn't want to kill the, the emperor really because of the force. He didn't want to kill his father because of the force, you know, just this moment, have it be where, and it, it brings up amazing questions about what the Force is and whether this is a self-fulfilling prophecy, whether there ever was a destiny for the Skywalkers or if it was all just sort of made because we expected it, you know? Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to even have him pull the sword in response to it. Like, it, it, it can even start out as a calm scene where he's just, like, checking in on Ben, like, oh, hey, there's my nephew, and then just the visions come in or like, as you said, the audio and he just draws his lightsaber reflect like reflexively or like by the, by the pull of the force. And that's just what Ben, Ben sees. And he sees that like, you know, Luke is filled with emotion because Hans just necessarily died for him. He's seen it happen. And he's looking at, you know, Ben as the person who's done it. So like that, that's all there. That's still there, but it makes way more sense. It's there. And, and to be honest, I think people who love the movie and who are apologists for the movie or whatever, uh, however way you want to take it, uh, feel like that was there. But I'm telling you, it wasn't ex- as explicit or as no. beautiful as it could have been. Uh, well, even down to the moment in Force Awakens, the end where Luke really does make his reappearance 
and he kind of has this sad look on his face, almost as if he knows what's happening. Um, maybe possibly what he knows what's happening with Han. It it adds that kind of foreshadowing in the back. It makes it so that the Luke who self-exiled kind of knew that this was going to happen to Han, tried to stop it from happening to Han, made it happen to Han, and nothing he can do can escape this. And that, I think, is much more tragic. It adds more fuel to the why would Luke ever exile, right? Like, oh, my my Luke never would have run away from the First Order. Well, maybe there's some more reason for it because everything Luke does to try to stop the First Order or from the Empire or anything from manifesting has actually encouraged it to. So all these things would have made this so much more powerful. And unfortunately, people just refuse to reach out to me to (laughs) to fix their screenplays. I'm telling you, I'm cheap and affordable. Uh, It feels good to get that out. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun uh, trying to change history and rewrite things. I guess as... um, Movies keep getting rebooted. The chances that somebody's going to hear this podcast and listen to what we suggested are going to only skyrocket, right? I mean, that makes sense. Literally, in an era of fan fiction becoming literal mainstream actual movies now. I think yeah. so. We just have to do an episode on one small change to fix Artemis Fowl, and it'll be a wonderful. <laughs> it may uh, be a little bit more than one change. No, no, no. I got an easy fix to that. Just change the title of the movie so it's not Artemis Fowl. Um, then you've saved the uh, the franchise there we go if you enjoyed this podcast like follow and subscribe uh please back us on patreon and you know show us your support by leaving us a positive comment and give us your idea on one small change that would make a piece of fiction perfect in your minds good night everybody This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.